0: Great to see y'all here on this spring break. <laughs> uh, turn, if you would, uh, we're, we're just still in Joshua trying to actually preach on Sunday morning and Sunday night, just kind of trying to get all of it out of it we can. So we're in Joshua chapter 6 this morning, uh, this afternoon, tonight, whatever it is. You mix a time change with a pain medicine, buddy. I'm just tell you right now you're thankful to be anywhere amen <laughs> oh me joshua chapter 6 and uh boy i've kind of toyed around with a couple of different angles but i feel like this is probably what we need tonight we'll cover it actually it'll be over the whole chapter uh, first 21 verses of it in joshua chapter 6 So we think about how to make your walls fall down flat you know not only did Did the walls at Jericho uh, fall over, but they fell down flat? That's another miracle within itself. Our our children sing songs, and and we're going to continue to sing them, even though they're wrong, Uh, but we're going to continue to sing them. But they sing that song Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho, God fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua just happened to be there marching around with a lantern in his hand with some trumpets when all of it took place. Uh, Israel has finally crossed the Jordan River. They prepared themselves spiritually. You remember Joshua said, consecrate yourself, separate yourself this day because you've never gone this way before. You've never uh, uh, been this way before. One of the things that that, uh, Brother Herman and I kind of just flash back and forth on is we, we really have the same goal in, in life is I want to go where I've never been before. And I want to see what I've never seen before. Now I tie that in spiritually. I'd love to see one more old fashioned revival before I left this earth. And you say, well, that's not going to happen. Things are going to get worse. No, there's going to be pockets of revival. So if there's going to be pockets of revival, well, I'm just praying, Lord, let it happen here. You know, uh, what is it first? Is, is it Proverbs 16, 9 or 1 Chronicles sixteen nine? It says the Lord is looking to and fro over the earth, uh, searching for someone that he can make himself known to. I get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. You can make yourself known to me. But uh, they've prepared themselves spiritually and they followed God's orders to the letter thus far. Now they're ready to begin the conquest of the promised land. And they're ready to claim for themselves the land that flows with milk and honey. But just like most good things in life, it's not going to come cheap. There's going to have to be a thing called faith. Uh, There's going to have to be a thing, you know, I I read... uh, Uh, Well, I read uh, this a couple of weeks ago. I think I've mentioned it to you. The Lord feeds the sparrows, but he doesn't deliver the food to the nest. And I'm telling you, God may give us the promised land, but we still got to get up off our blessed assurance and walk by faith and conquer the land that God gave for us. And then the thing I heard this afternoon coming back, I thought, boy, that's rich. Because I was, first of all, going to preach tonight on being an overcomer. But I thought, you know, the Wednesday night crowd, they are the overcomers. Uh, they, uh, the ones that are not overcomers are the ones that are not here tonight. So, but anyway, on the radio coming home, uh, there was a song somebody sang. I don't know who. Uh, we listened to contemporary. Uh, when my wife's in there, we have to backslide and get to the contemporary music. And when I'm in there, we listen to the homecoming music. And, and, but anyway, the, 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 they said this. You don't need a do-over unless you quit. What you need is a comeback. I hope, whoa, that's rich too. You know, so many people are saying, let's just start over. Well, the only reason you'd ever need to start over is if you just quit. If you're still trusting and plugging along, you don't need to start over. You need a comeback. Most of us tonight, on a Wednesday night, probably don't need a do-over we need to come back people say well if we just had another Pentecostal we don't need another Pentecostal uh, the Pentecostal day of Pentecost was here for a, pur- for a purpose the Holy Spirit came down that day the New Testament church started that day and we don't need the Holy Spirit to come down he's already here so we don't need another Pentecost we don't need another do-over we need to come back so for Israel, Jericho would be a benchmark here uh, because it was at Jericho that they'd really flex their muscles and they would uh, conquer this thing. They're going to experience a military victory like no other. Uh, just try to put your shoes, uh, yourself, in the shoes of those Israelite soldiers. Uh, for most of these men, Jericho was the first city they'd ever seen uh, that was surrounded by huge walls. They didn't have that over in Egypt. We're talking huge walls. Uh, it, it must have, if they looked at those walls, they thought, good grief, it must be impossible to go across those walls. Uh, and th- this whole book in Joshua is about battles and about wars. And uh, I, I told my wife's, <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I think God laid this on my heart because we're getting ready to go in this building program and, you know, you gotta constantly be prepared. She said, you just lying to yourself. You laid this on your heart yourself because you knew you were gonna have to deal with the city of Longview. And I said, no, that's really not the thing. Uh, We're gonna face battles. There are gonna be problems. There's gonna be uh, things that knock us down. But, but I want to tell you, the book of Joshua is as relevant for Christians today as it was for the nation Israel uh, back when they were conquering the, the promised land. So we need to know how to fight. Someone asked me, uh, Brother Allen, uh, 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 we were at a preacher's meeting, and, and, and they asked me this question. What, what do you regret as a pastor of not... Really teaching your church to do, and uh, I want to tell you, brother Case and I, we've talked about in staff meeting before. Sometimes now it's not as bad here as it was at the church we came from, but I failed them miserable by not teaching them how to fight, how to fight. I'm not talking about just fight to have a fight, but I'm telling you, when spiritual meets carnal, there's going to be a battle. And many times we, as Christians, would rather just throw up our hands. All you got to do is look what's happened in America in the last 30 years. It's a whole lot easier just to shut our mouth, sit in our little churches and be walled up and not stir up anything outside. And I'm telling you, in this world that we live in, we need to learn how to fight. He was a fighter. Jesus was a fighter. That's exactly Right. So, Israel faced the, uh, the walls there of Jericho, but we face the same kind of walls, and the same kind of obstacles in our lives every day. And so we need to know how to overcome them as we march toward victory. And uh, this passage holds the answer for us. First of all, you see in verse 1, Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. Remember, uh, Rahab has already told them, the spies, we're all scared to death. Not of you. We're not scared of your army. We're not scared of the nation Israel. But we don't heard what your God did. We heard your God opened up the Red Sea and then swallowed it up and wiped out the entire Egyptian army. We heard your God provided manna every day. He provided water. He provided a cloud to travel by. We heard your God uh, parted the Jordan River and the waters heaped up, stood up straight. And we're scared to death that your God's going to come wipe us out. They're not scared of that. But they got a problem here. Jericho, the oldest city uh, known in the world. And uh, it was surrounded by massive two stone walls. The outer wall was six foot thick and 20 foot high. The inner wall was 12 foot thick and 30 foot high. And there were, the walls was a guarded walkway about 15 feet wide in between those walls. So you can see what they're fixing to go up against here. They've got a 20 foot wall and say, well, we can scale that. Well, yeah, but another 15 foot over there, there's a 12 foot wall Uh, wide with a 30-foot height on it. So we're talking some big walls here. And they've never seen anything like this. Uh, Israel's problem was that they had a city to conquer, but there was some big walls in the way. And I will tell you, it's it's the same way in our life. We've got obstacles that we face. Perhaps maybe it's a, a lost loved one that we'd like to see the Lord touch and save and it just seems like it's a giant wall that nothing we say, nothing we do can get their attention. Uh, It may be a, a lost community over which we're burdened. It may be a ministry of the Lord that we're doing that we feel inadequate about there. It may be family trouble that tears at our hearts and leaves us wondering what in the world to do. It may be financial trouble that stresses us out to the limits and our patience and our faith are just shot because of all that. It may be a besetting sin that crops up in our life that nobody knows anything else about. But we know it and the Lord knows it. And it continually comes back. It's like a huge wall. And we've said, Lord, how are we going to get over that wall? How are we going to conquer it? Well, Look at the first thing is learn not to look at our obstacles as dead ends. See, a lot of times when we come up to an obstacle, we we think, well, that's a dead end. Now, I'm not telling you I got the answers because i'm I'm not sure you got to have a certain amount of discernment to know whether God wants you to go left or go God wants you to go right or God wants you to go straight. And you come up to a dead end place, that could be God saying, you don't need to go any further. It could be the devil throwing an obstacle in your way. The only way you're going to know is if you're walking with God. When you're walking with God, he'll show you what's an obstacle. I hear people say, uh, where God closes a door, he opens a window. Well, it may be the devil opening that window. It may be God shut the door to try to tell you not to go through there. And the devil comes over, since the door shut, says, hey, Here's a way in. Come on in this way. This is what you wanted. It may, you know, it may be God. It may be. So you, you, we're facing all of that. Uh, the greatest, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look, look there with me. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I meant to line these up before, but I didn't. I'd rather sit out there and drink coffee with the guys and enjoy it. You need to look in your Bible anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, that's pretty well self-explanatory. God doesn't want him to get the big head. And he's done figured this out, that lest I exalt myself above measure, God sent Satan to buffet me so that I'd be sure that I wouldn't do that. And then verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness." Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Did you see that? I take pleasure in uh, infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've become a fool and glorifying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly, the signs of... Uh, well, I need to stop there. It's on through verse 10. Paul says, I, I've got a real problem here, too. Man, the devil, everywhere I turn, that devil's right on me. But it's there... To keep me from getting the big head and think I'm doing something. I'm somebody. Let me tell you, when you begin to think, I got this covered. That's when you're in trouble. That's when you're in trouble. Uh, We, 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 mm, I, I just need to move on. Israel had a problem. And those problems, those two big walls. And there's some of us in this room tonight, we've got some problems. And those problems look like dead ends. They look like there's no way in the world. So we've got a problem. Don't look at that problem as a dead end, all right? Second thing, though, not only did Israel have a problem, here's where it gets good. Israel had a promise. (laughs) They got a problem, all right, but God done made them a promise. Uh, Joshua and all the men of war stood looking at those walls around that great city, and God had a word of comfort for their hearts. He promised Israel the victory before they ever attacked Jericho. He said, You're going to have the victory. I'm going to give it to you before they ever entered their battle. We've got the Lord's promises. Uh, and, and I don't have time tonight to go through these, but I just jotted down. You might want to jot this down. We have his promise that our weapons are powerful through God. Whatever weapon God gives us, it's powerful. We have his promise. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 verifies that. We have his promise that our battles have all been arranged by the Lord. I was studying that this week, and the Lord said, you idiot, you thought you had this thing mapped out? I-, I got the battles arranged. They're already set up. Romans 8, 28 guarantees us that everything works uh, uh, good according to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That, 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 that's a promise. That's a promise of God. 2 Corinthians 4.17, same thing. We have this promise that our ability is only limited by our faith. See, some of you think your ability is limited because you're old. No, 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 no. No, when you're weak, that's when he's strong. Your ability is only limited by your faith. Philippians 4 13, I can do some things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I can do all things. It's by faith. It's by faith. And then uh, Ephesians 3.20 also. We have his promise of power in the day of battle. Ephesians 6.10. When he's talking about the spiritual warfare. We've got his promise of ongoing victory. First 1 Corinthians 15.57. Death, where's I staying? Hey, you know where it is? It's been conquered. Jesus conquered death. Jesus conquered hell. Jesus conquered the grave. The things that we're worried about the most in dying. Now, you may not be, but I'll tell you right now, I'm worried about dying. I am. I'm just telling you right now. I can't even have a a blame uh, MRI without getting shook up. Uh, You know what I worry about? I worry about laying up somewhere with tubes and everything on me. Man, I'm telling you what, I don't know if I can do that or not. But I guess it was... Two Sundays ago or or three, I sat back there in the office. I said, God, man, this arm is killing me. I don't feel like going out there. I cannot do it. And I almost buzzed Brother Case and said, you're going to have to preach today. And God, just like he sat down on that couch and said, listen, I'm with you whether you're hurting or whether you're rejoicing. Get up and go do what I told you to do. I'm telling you, God will equip us to do what we need to do. I'm not telling you it's going to always be easy, it's not easy. Ongoing victory. We've got the promise of God that we'll never fight alone. Even when I'm in the middle of a war, I'm not by myself. Everything I read in this book here shows me that is. Long as I'm on God's side, as long as God's in control of what's going on, me and God make a majority. I mean, if I, I even when I don't think I can do it, if God's there, He makes. I, we could go all through. Remember when the Elisha, the, the prophet, come running to him. My soul, we're in a mess. We're in a mess. The enemy's lined up all around us, and he prayed, "Lord, open his eyes and let him see what's out there." And there were twice as many of the angels of good that there were of the others, you know. Sometimes we just need to say, pray the Lord, open my eyes. You know, this things. most of the time, our problems are not as big as we think they are. Most of the time. We have a natural tendency as human beings to make things worse than they are. Now, sometimes they do pan out bad But I'm telling you, in your life, you just stop and you just look at what you thought was going to be bad. Nine times out of ten, 24 hours later, it wasn't nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be. That's just human nature. But God is always with us. We never will fight alone. We've got a promise that when the battle is over, we'll we'll celebrate the victory in His presence. (laughs) John 14, 1 through 3. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. Mm. We're going we're to celebrate victory in His presence. So as we face these walled cities in our life, we need to learn to believe the Lord. Take Him at His word. Take Him at His word. Anybody here He's ever lied to? How many of y'all have had a preacher lie to you? I guarantee you, every one of us have. You've had a deacon lie to you? How many preachers have had church members lie to you? <laughs> huh? I, I, hey, that's part. But I want to tell you, in all my ministry, God's never lied to me. He's never backed down, never lied. Uh, I just don't believe Jesus saved us to be defeated. I think he saved us not only to be victorious, but to be overcomers. And there's going to be trials in that. He never promised that. He said, in this world, we will have trials and tribulation, But be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. Hey, so there are going to be problems. But I want to tell you, God's still on his throne. Don't give up. God's still on his throne. If you give up, you're going to need a do-over. If you just hang in there, you're going to need a comeback. Mm. Israel had a promise. But Israel also had a problem. And then thirdly, Israel had a partner. And that partner was none other than God himself. We talked about Jesus being the incarnate Christ there. He was in absolute control of the battle. He was leading them. He guaranteed their victory uh, there in Joshua 5. You remember He tell Joshua was out there, and Joshua was probably going over the... Uh, battle plans of what we might can do, how we're going to, maybe if we build ladders and maybe double them together and flip them up like that, maybe they can go up and reach that top and and maybe, you know, and all of a sudden there's somebody out there with a sword, unsheathed. And he said, whoa, who goes there? Are you with us or are you with the enemy? He said, neither one. I came to take over. That That's That's where we need to be in our Christian life tonight, where He takes over. (laughs) So, uh, as we face our walled cities and the obstacles of our life, uh, it's a thrill to know that we don't have to face them alone. God is with us, He'll help us face them. Uh, And and we don't have to face them not only alone, we don't have to face them in our own strength. John 16 13 says, uh, He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Uh, Oh, that whole chapter deals with the fact that when we're hooked on to the vine, Jesus is with us. He never leaves us. Now, what are the weapons that we've been given to battle? Because their weapons uh, were were trumpet or, or shout and a candle and a little lamp. You know, I mean, that's it. That's it. Now, a lot of times people think, how many times did Joshua... March around Jericho. 13. He marched around once a day for six days and marched seven times around on the Sabbath day. Isn't that right? Yeah. See, that, that's another little kid's song. <laughs> he marched seven times. He marched seven on one day, but totally, he marched 13 times. And you remember when he marched? God said, don't open your mouth. Who? how could you do that? With women and men mixed together. Huh? And, and you, we're talking two million of them. Nobody can open their mouth until God says open your mouth. Wow. <laughs> well, the weapons that we've been given. First of all is the word of God. We've been given the word of God. You know, I love history. There have been kings and kingdoms and, and tyrants. Tyrants who have been trying to destroy the Bible and the Christian church for centuries. I think it's it's Gloria Gaither that does that church triumphant. Well, they do it, the church triumphant. But she's got a little saying in there that says, just because you make a river go underground doesn't mean it stops flowing. And I want to be honest with you, in some ways... The church can really be stronger when we're up against tribulation and we have to go underground. See, we, we've got it made here. Nobody's going to come in here. Uh, uh, well, we, we hope nobody comes in here and starts shooting us. Uh, we've got security out there. If they're not drinking coffee, they'll stop them uh, at that door. Maybe they'll put their cup down too. I know. They, let me tell you, we've got the finest security here that you'll find anywhere in any church, I promise you. Uh, But in China right now, do you know that's one of the uh, largest churches in the world is in China? It's the largest. largest. And do you know the, the, the church that's growing the fastest right now is in Iran? Can you believe that? Those people are losing their life. But you see, they've got something different on us. Because we have been continuing to get fat. We've enjoyed every blessing there is in this world. I mean, television, DVRs, movies, uh, saloons, bars, you know. We've enjoyed everything there is to offer. And the rest of the world have been, been, and don't you think I don't know Baptists don't enjoy bars. Uh, They go through the back door. The Methodists go through the front. But there's always a back door on those things. Uh, and, uh, uh, but but they've, they've not had any of that. They have no freedom. You know, where you go uh, to Kenya, uh, you, you, you can go to elementary school and they'll pay for it. The government will. But when you get to the fifth grade, you have to pay your own education from there all the way on up through high school or you don't go. You, and it's that way in a lot of countries. It's that way in Haiti. Uh, we've been blessed. So we've give, been given the Word of God. And even though people have tried to destroy it, it is still complete. Now, I'm not one of those that's, that's going to argue over a translation. People often ask me, why do you still use the King James? Well, I have one pet peeve that Southern Baptists, I think, have messed up completely. When I was a kid growing up, our whole Sunday school memorized Scripture. Our whole church memorized Scripture. Our church stood up and quoted Scripture. You couldn't do that now if you wanted to, because there's 15 different translations everybody's got. But when there was one translation, we were all together in it. Now... I use the King James because, number one, uh, I, I, I think it's still the best translation. I use it, number two, because I was raised up on it, and my daddy taught me that whatever brought me to the dance, keep them. So I keep that, too. But number three, uh, I, I don't find anybody that has been willing to fight for the New American Standard or the Living Bible. I mean, they like it and all that. But I want to tell you, I know some old men around here that'll fight for the King James. <laughs> so you got to keep them calm, all right? Uh, but I'm not talking about translation. Whichever translation you want, read it. I never will forget Carlos McLeod one time getting up in front of a whole group in Texas in Dallas. It, this big group that was meeting, talking about church growth and all that. And he says, absolutely, this has got to be the dumbest crowd I've ever been in front of in my life. And those are all doctors and PhDs and all of those. He said, any program will work if you work the program. The Roman road is still just as good a way to lead somebody to Christ as any new thing today is. It's it's just as good. The problem is we don't work the program. And I I could say that here too, but anyway, I won't. I'll get off. We've got the Bible. We ought to be reading the Bible. We ought to be reading it. Uh, Man, I'm not sure that I'm as serious about the Bible as I was. I remember in my younger days of Pastor Brother Sandy, I would put a tape recorder up there, and I'd have the Bible playing 24 hours a day in the Lord's house i believe in the power of the word of god i don't, I don't do that anymore <laughs> i mean you know we we've forgotten or we just thought, well you know i mean we we've got to do it god's gonna bring us the food but we gotta we gotta get out and go get it so we've been given the bible what a tremendous weapon that is and then the one we neglect even more than the bible at least we'll bring our bible with us every once in a while the one we neglect more than that is prayer i mean every one of us in this room recognize that the power that we need comes through prayer everybody knows that and yet we can try to get a prayer meeting over here and there'll be three now i know a lot of people working in different things but the real truth is we're not praying at home either that's the only thing that's always uncorked me about these people who were stomping their feet wanting prayer back in the schools. Now, I'm one of those, too. I, I don't see problem with that. But it amazes me why parents will get all bent out of shape because we won't pray in the schools, but they won't even pray in their own homes. Huh? I mean, let's just be honest. Maybe if we were praying in our own homes, we might be able to pray in the schools. And incidentally, kids can pray wherever they want to. They strike up a prayer. So God has promised he'd hear our prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3. We've quoted it so many times, we don't even believe it. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. (laughs) Man, God's promised he'll not only hear our prayers, but he's promised he'll answer our prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. He's promised He'll help us pray. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, when we come to the place where we don't even know what to pray, He will groan for us and offer prayers up for us and we don't even know what the prayers are. But we've got to come to Him in prayer in order to do that. And then uh, Sidlow Baxter wrote this. He said, Men may spurn our appeals. Reject our message, oppose our argument, but they're helpless against our prayers. <laughs> I mean, you, you want to burn somebody up, just start praying for them. They can't do anything about it. nothing they can do. So Israel had a promise, they had a problem, they had a partner, and let me tell you what else happened. I'm through. They prevailed. Israel prevailed. They marched around that city in obedience to the Lord. Can you believe the absurdity of that command? How how they must have reacted. They saw the armies of Israel approaching their city and they probably thought, man, we're about to be invaded by the enemy. And then just as Israel came near to that city, they turned in single file and they started marching around the walls. I, I can just imagine those people in that On those inside Jericho, they'd run over to this spot to see if they were going to attack there. Then they'd run over to that spot to see if they were going to rush there and attack there. And all they did was march around the city, went on back out to Gilgal where they camped. Next day, same thing. March around that city, go back out. I imagine they're beginning to get a little nervous on that third day. Because they done remembered what their God will do. They thought, man, I think we can whip this bunch here. It doesn't look like they've even got a, 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 a weapon with them. Those inside Jericho getting nervous, but instead of attacking, the soldiers and the priests just marched around the city. That's it. All that was heard was the sound of the ram's horn trumpets and the pounding of the feet upon the ground. Did that six days? And I imagine, I don't know this, but you don't know it wasn't, but I would imagine about that sixth day, those people inside Jericho kind of made a little fun of them. Look at what they're doing. <laughs> they, they don't know what they're doing. They're marching around the city, and they're laughing, and they're just having fun. They're just, you know. And then on that seventh day, they went around seven times. And When they finished that seventh lap, the priests gave that blast on the trumpets. The people of Israel shouted with a great shout. It wasn't like an attacking army. It wasn't a shout of fear. It was a shout of raised praise to the God of heaven. That's what it was. God who had promised them the victory. And when the people shouted, the walls fell down flat. Israel ran into the city, utterly destroyed it. (laughs) I bet old Churchill would love to have a battle like that. Israel was able to do that for these reasons. Number one, they had a word from God. If you're going for something, let me tell you, uh, you need a word from God. I, I believe God heals. I really do. But I, I have a problem claiming healing for somebody unless I've already been with God, and God says, I'm going to heal that person. One of the closest friends Becky and I have ever had in our life had cancer. No, I'm telling you, you would not believe this woman. Her husband had died early of a heart attack. And uh, people would come by and say, Miss Ar- Arlene, you, you, God's going to heal you. And I'd go sit with her and she'd say, Brother Charles, God had not told me he's going to heal me. Has God told you that? I said no. He she said God's not going to heal me. I've just got to be faithful in these last days. And I said, well, maybe God will tell us yet, but He didn't. You got to get a word from God. Israel had a word from God. I'm going to give you the victory over Jericho if you'll follow my orders. They believed God. W- what's that old bumper sticker that was was wrong? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Take that I believe it out of the middle. Doesn't make any difference whether you do or not. God said it. That settles it. It's over. And then, thirdly, they acted in faith. Faith. Hebrews talks about that. And then, fourthly, they did it God's way. Now that's really the secret to, this, to the success. Finding out God's way it may be too hard. For somebody like me, God's way doesn't ever seem too hard. It just always seems too slow. I mean, I'm ready to go, Leroy. I'm ready to attack right now. God says, not now. They that wait upon the Lord. Renew their strength. And then God gives them the victory. I want to tell you, God's church is going to prevail. doesn't make any difference what kind of situation the church is failing, uh, facing. I know today there are churches, it it literally blows my mind that most of the pastors that in the Southern Baptist Convention that I know, they have no problem with drinking, they have no problem with, with, uh, I mean, it's, it's just the world that we live in. Most of them think this. Most of them think this. And I had one of the city council people tell me this, and I was able to straighten them out. He said this statement. He said, Brother Hunt, this is just business. I said, dear brother, there is no business. It's either all God or it's no God. But if you think you can live a personal life during the week and it be, quote, business, that's just the way things are, and you can roll in here and praise the Lord on Sunday, It's not. It's not. Living for Jesus. We sang that over at uh, Arabella. One of the kids called it out. Uh, I know that's, no, our best is yours, but living for Jesus, a life that is pure. Whatever wall you're facing, come to Jesus. He'll meet you where you are. You'll never fight alone. You'll never be weak. He'll always make you strong. If you will come to Jesus. Father thank you tonight. For allowing us to gather together. Thank you for. Bringing the guys back. From Vider safely. Thank you Lord for our young people. Doing a great job. And watching over them. Lord would you continue to watch over them. And bless them. Keep them safe. There in the city. Lord I know all kinds of evil. Are all around them. So, Lord, you keep them safe. Keep your hand on them. Lord, I do want to thank you for young people that would be willing to give up a trip to the beach or a trip to Disneyland. Just so they could go and witness to other boys and girls and tell them about Jesus. Would you bless them? Bless their families. And, uh, Lord, be with our kids tonight as they're coming back in from Shreveport. Watch over them. Lord, I pray for Sunday. God, it might be a day of victory in this place. How you have blessed this church. And may we continue to follow you and uh, trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all very much.